I seem to have angered many South Carolina fans by suggesting that Texas A&M spotted the Gamecocks 17 points early in the ball game. Well, you know what? Let's keep that cockfight going. Coming up right now on Locked On Mizzou. You are Locked On Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, all you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And today's episode is brought to you by Underdog. Yes, sign up on underdogfantasy.com with the promo code locked on and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. And indeed, I have drawn quite the ire from the South Carolina Gamecocks fans, especially on YouTube the past few days. They feel I've been quite dismissive of their Gamecocks, but I have to say that really wasn't my intention whatsoever, and I never felt like Andrew Lyon from Locked On Gamecocks got that impression, so I was a little bit surprised when apparently my comments, in particular the word Texas A&M spotted South Carolina 17 early in the game people in the comments were acting like so let me get this straight I heard several people began their comments with so let me get this straight which and by the way they would proceed to use quotation marks for words that I never said so apparently you got nothing straight Apparently, when people say that, they have nothing straight whatsoever. That's one thing I've learned the past couple days. But really what I was trying to get at there is that, well, I'm trying to explain why this is a currently still a three-and-a-half-point ball game over at BetOnline.net because Missouri fans right now aren't feeling great about their team for the most part. And at the same time, well, South Carolina fans, they're riding high. They've got just came off a big win over Texas A&M. They're 25th in the country. So I can see on some level, if you weren't actually paying attention or processing what I was saying, you would think, oh man, this Missouri guy is trying to dismiss our victory. That really wasn't the point whatsoever. And in pointing out that, hey, they ran back the opening kickoff for a touchdown, yeah, you get credit for that play. That's an amazing play. Just like I said 12 years ago when John McGaffey did it for Missouri against Oklahoma, well, that was maybe the difference in that ball game. Just like it may have been the difference in the ball game for the Gamecocks last week. So all the credit in the world to your return team, the blockers, the return man, the coaching staff, the whole deal. The point is, can you count on that each and every week? And in particular, this week, against Missouri. Well, Missouri's kickoff coverage has been so bad at times that maybe you can count on another big-time return. Heck, Missouri's punt coverage and punting in general has left a lot to be desired this season. But here's the thing, and here's the mistake that a lot of people made, and I saw this comment by another South Carolina fan where I came back at somebody and said, hey, now, Let's not pretend like special teams is as important as offense and defense. And this person said, well, it's literally one-third of the game. And I'm going, uh, literally, no, it's actually not one-third of the game. Not unless you're having a bunch of three-play, two-play drives literally every single drive. Because I'm sorry, 
99% of, the, of games, you're running more offensive and defensive snaps than you are special teams. It's not going to be one-third of the time. And by the way, even if it were, can we actually honestly say that all of those snaps should be considered equal? Because guess what? Most special teams snaps these days, especially with more and more teams going for it on fourth down, a lot of them are kickoffs that are just booted into the back of the end zone with no return. Touchbacks are at an all-time high across all of college football. Also, extra points are pretty automatic at this point. I mean, don't get me wrong. You see guys miss extra points at crucial times. And yes, I'm not going to argue that when somebody misses a kick right at the end of the game, that's a huge play. And yes, it should count. If that's your argument, I don't, I'm not even sure what you're trying to argue here or what you were trying to think that I'm saying. My point is, again, if you're going to rely on, for example, Harrison Mevis to miss a 26-yard field goal at the end of the game week after week, that's probably not going to go well for you. Just because it happened one, me, one week, well, what's likely to happen the next week? That's what I'm trying to point out here. And for all these people who act like, and, and let's just say, okay, even if special teams were exactly one-third of the game in terms of snaps, well, I'm sorry, there's just no way to say that special teams is as important as offense and defense. In fact, offense is actually number one. If you look at it statistically, if you want to have a good side of the football, there's no doubt you want it to be your offense because offense is more consistent than defense for a whole bunch of reasons that I don't have time to get into at this moment. But if you just look at the at the numbers, you look at the best teams offensively. I use the FEI numbers for special teams that South Carolina is currently number 1 in the country for, which obviously is an advantage for them. Not trying to say it's not an advantage. I'm just saying it's not the same thing as having the number 1 offense in the country. And to prove my point, if you just look at the top special teams Units in the nation, well, you've got South Carolina's number one, Michigan's number two. Hey, they're 7-0 and and one of the top teams in the country, right? Well, number three is San Diego State at 4-3. and three. Then you've got Arkansas State at 2-6. and six. They have one FBS victory so far this season. So that's the top four of special teams. Are you seeing a wild correlation there between being great at special teams, and being great in general. Well, I'm not seeing it there. Whereas on the offensive side of the football, for instance, well, here are the top four teams in terms of offense. Ohio State, Georgia, Southern Cal, Oregon. And then you can keep going. You get Tennessee, Ole Miss, Alabama, UCLA, Michigan, LSU. LSU is the first two-loss club that I just gave you there. So obviously, I'm sorry, special teams just isn't that important. Is it important? Yes. It's not 33% of the game, though. Maybe it's 10 or 15. I could believe that. It certainly matters on the margins. But if you're going to sit here and tell me that, oh, well, my team made a heads-up play because they dove on top of the the fumble that the, the early snap off the, the A&M quarterback, well, we did a good job of getting on the ball. Yes, you did. Good for you. And just like I talk about all the time with fumble recoveries, again, this is about what's going to happen in the future, not what happened in the past. 
I'm not trying to take away what South Carolina did on the past. I'm trying to explain to you what's hap- could happen, what's more likely to happen in the future. And I'm just trying to explain to you, if you think that's a three-and-a-half-point spread because Las Vegas likes giving away money because the public's probably thinking, hey, the ranked team, I'll take them. I'm just saying, everybody pump the brakes there because if it were that easy to make money, well, there wouldn't be nearly as many casinos that have been standing for decades and decades. And coming up, while it's safe to say most Missouri fans aren't 100% satisfied with Brady Cook at quarterback so far, well, you know what? It occurred to me, let's look at the rest of of the Southeastern Conference and their quarterback situations and figure out just how unique we are in that scenario. But you know what? First, I want to tell you this episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up college football season. Once again, just so easy to get started. And I tell you, I think this week I got to go with our buddy Anthony Richardson but against him, sorry, you guys know I like to take unders. Well, I'm going with an underdog under pick by going with Anthony Richardson lower than 162 and a half passing yards this weekend. Also, going to go take a higher. I'm going to go Georgia's Brock Bowers, the great tight end, higher than 59 and a half receiving yards. I just feel like he's due for a big game through the air. I'm just playing kind of a gut feeling there. I got to be honest with you, but you know what? Once again, underdog is easy to play and available in over 30 states. One of the easiest fantasy games to play out there and you can win cold, hard cash in a single game. So sign up with the promo code locked on and underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 deposit a hundred, get a hundred dollars free. So go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in your app store. That's Underdog Fantasy. Promo code locked on. That's one word locked on. Get in on the college football pick 'em action today. For this exercise, I'm not going to include the Sam Horns of the world. That is promising youngsters who. May have seen the field a little bit, perhaps not at all, but we're we're just going to focus on the actual starters for this season, not worrying about the future so much, the future at the quarterback situation. Well, let's just start at the top of the SEC East. Obviously, the Vols feeling pretty good with Hendon Hooker at this point, so there's a there's a one in the plus column. Georgia, obviously, bringing back. Their guy, Stetson Bennett, they're loving him. No problem there. We're two for two. Now, South Carolina, listen, we heard the Boo Birds or the Boo Cocks, if you will, if you listened to my previous podcast or watched that, that excuse me, that South Carolina Texas A&M ball game where third quarter, South Carolina winning, fourth quarter, maybe even a few Boo, boo Birds raining down. And that's kind of all you really need to know about the situation with Spencer Rattler, eight interceptions so far. Clearly, he's not the long-term answer, and I'm not sure he's exactly what they expected this year either. Now, Kentucky, Will Levis has been injured for a game, but obviously they like what they have with him. So three out of four in the positive column so far, but that's where it ends in terms of positivity 
in the SEC East because I don't see how anybody who's paid attention to Anthony Richardson's season at Florida could say that the Gators have found their answer at quarterback. Same thing with Brady Cook and Missouri. And at Vanderbilt, well, you know, I put over A.J. Swan quite a bit, but he was pulled late in that game against Missouri the other week for Mike Wright. So hard to say it's 100% there either. So three out of the seven teams, I would say, in the East are feeling good about their quarterback situation. Well, what about the mighty West? They must be better, right? Well, Bryce Young, hey, the Heisman Trophy guy, yeah, we like him. Also, LSU, Jaden Daniels, guy Missouri kicked the tires on. I think he's had a really, really good season for LSU. And even though he's played four years, well, the COVID year didn't count, so he can come back next season. We'll see if he does or not. Now, as far as the rest of this division goes, I think it's debatable on a lot of these situations. Ole Miss with Jackson Dart, certainly... Just about anybody can have their moments in Lane Kiffin's offense, but Dart's thrown some really bad interceptions, and that last game, obviously against LSU, was a bit of a wake-up call for the Rebels. Now, as for Will Rogers in Mississippi State, I think he's about what you'd expect a Mike Leach quarterback in year three to be. I'll, I'll just put it that way. Nothing to write home about, but certainly a solid college player, no doubt about that. Just seems like that's more of a quarterback Mike Leach factory situation than anything to me. Now, as for Arkansas, who's now sitting one and three in the SEC, seems like maybe there's been some regression there with KJ Jefferson, him coming back to earth a little bit. I don't know that you can be completely sold on that situation. Hey, maybe you're an Arkansas fan, you disagree with that. That's fine. I just I'm just kind of going for surefire thumbs ups here, and I can't go for Arkansas there. Auburn, obviously they've been shuffling quarterbacks all year. Texas A&M, we know they've struggled badly offensively as well. So you're talking about two in the West, two out of seven in the West, three out of seven in the East for a total of five of the 14 teams in the conference, actually feeling like really confident about their quarterback situation. So that may not make you feel better as a Missouri fan, but Hopefully, at least it gives you some idea of the context. We are we may be frustrated, but we're not alone in our frustration. And coming up, a new week, a new uniform reveal, more Tiger Script helmets, this time of the white variety, and well, believe it or not, this time I kind of like these, so let's talk about that in another edition of Project Run Play after these quick messages. Now, I wasn't the biggest fan of the gold scripted helmets, if you were, with the white tigers in cursive written on the sides of the helmets. Part of the problem was hard to read once you got past, oh, I don't know, 10 yards away from the guys or so. If you were in the stands, even on television, it was just hard to actually read that they said tigers. Well, the version Missouri wearing this week, all whites, White pants, white jerseys, and white helmets with the black cursive tiger strip this uh, this time. Well, we'll see what happens, right? But it seems like this one should read a heck of a lot better from distance and on TV. Also, just my own personal preference here. I really like the all-white look. If Missouri's going to go unusual, a little bit 
little bit non-traditional. To me, the all-whites actually has become a look that Missouri's used a lot the last, oh, since 2015 or so. And it's become a look I really like. I, I think it's something different, partially because, I don't know, in, in my perfect world, if you had to pick a uniform combination for home and away every week, at this point, I think I'd say, give me the black helmets, black tops, and gold pants at home. But on the road, heck, go all white. Maybe with a black helmet occasionally, for sure, too. But nothing wrong with a white helmet. i got to say, those ones we wore against Tennessee a few years ago, the white helmet with the black the black block M. Let's see. It's probably behind me somewhere. Ah, yes. There it is. There you go, folks. That's a good-looking helmet to me. So, again, all this stuff is subjective, all up to personal preference. I think all of us can agree that, yes, I've heard, by the way, I've seen this comment of 45, a couple of comments I've seen 45 million times a piece about the uniforms. It's either, I don't care what they win as long as we win. Yep, got it. Right there with you, pal. Definitely agree with you there. And I've also heard, well, it really doesn't matter what you think. It's all about what the kids think. Yes, 100% with you. Couldn't agree more. So I just won't have any opinions more for these people. By the way, Mizzou wide receiver Luther Burden is the only player in the country right now with multiple rushing touchdowns, multiple receiving touchdowns, and at least one punt return for a touchdown. So that just shows how incredibly explosive he can be with the ball in his hands. And to that point, something I'd really like to see Missouri bring back in a serious way for the first time since week one is Luther Burden as the Wildcat quarterback? I think you just snap him the ball and he just immediately causes problems for a defense. You saw against, obviously, a, a less than awesome Louisiana Tech defense, but a Division One defense none, nonetheless, he just snapped him the ball. He runs to the wide side of the field and he just outflanked everybody. He was just too fast. He had too much explosiveness and Obviously, we saw what he could do on those screen passes against Vanderbilt, just breaking tackles, gliding through everybody, and that's with him being, according to Drinkwitz, about 90% recovered from his ankle injury. So that's really good to hear, by the way. 90% is a lot more than what I was expecting. So good on the Missouri training staff, just medical medical advances in general, and of course, Luther Burden for putting in the work. But again... I just want to see different ways, more more creative ways to get him the ball that don't involve our offensive line having to hold up for two and a half to three seconds because often that hasn't been the case. So let's maybe simplify it a little bit and just snap him the football a few times and see what happens. And thanks for making Locked On Mizzou your first listen. For your next listen, check out Locked On Sports Today, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's Locked On Sports Today. So until next time, I'm John Miller, and this has been Locked On Mizzou. Locked On Mizzou.